Hello, and welcome to Three Association, a podcast about compassionate, contemplative, evocative supervision for spiritual directors, created by supervisors trained in the Together in the Mystery model. I'm Tara Owens. And I'm Maria Tattoo Bowen. We're glad you're here. Now let's listen in on today's Three Association conversation. I'm so excited to be welcoming today our guest, Sam Jolman. I have been hoping for this conversation for a long time. Welcome, Sam. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. I've been looking forward to this time too. So for those of you who uh, have not met Sam Jolman before, you have been missing out. Sam is a professional therapist with over 15 years of experience in narrative-focused trauma care. He specializes in men's issues, couples counseling, and sexual abuse recovery. He writes regularly for his blog on topics of sexuality, spirituality, and mental health. And he says he loves helping people heal and find freedom amidst the plots of their lives. Sam is a neighbor of mine. He lives in Colorado with his wife and three sons and the people that inspire his writing and ideas the most. One of the things I love about Sam's bio is he, he ends it with together in their pop-up pop-up camper. They're exploring <laughs> the best camping spots in Colorado. Sam goes to therapy, mountain bikes, and can be found trying to catch his breath on the floor of his local CrossFit gym. Bless you for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I glad do remember to have you. CrossFitting with your, with your husband, Tara. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. That was a few years ago now, uh, as he would very much say a few years ago. <laughs> So we're going to begin. I'm really excited to be talking to somebody who comes from a psychotherapy background on this topic and to be welcoming a different professional perspective to the podcast. But we're going to free associate as we do at the beginning with the term multiple roles. So what comes up for either of you, Sam or Maria, when you hear the term multiple roles? I'll tell you what, Tara, I was thinking multiple relationships. And multiple and when relationships, I thought about yes. that, what came to my mind is cheating. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh, why does cheating come to my mind? But I, but then I started thinking there is that aspect when I'm listening in, in multiple relationship kind of situations of it, it cheats my awareness or something because it gets so complex to listen to people when I'm in that kind of a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. How about the rest of you? What comes to mind? I maybe similarly felt tired <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. um, again, just the sense of having to hold the tension of multiple experiences or types of relating that are happening with somebody, it can sometimes get tiring to know what, wait, what, in what role are we right now? Um, yeah. What do you need from me? It can get confusing and tiring. Yeah, I feel that tired with you. I think the multiple relationships, the two things that came up were polygamy to be honest with you yeah. <laughs> and acting, which was really an interesting one for me acting. because you have different characters and they have multiple relationships with one another, but there's this sense of performance that I feel with the term multiple relationships that like, Oh wait, but I don't know what I don't. And it's probably why I tripped into the word roles at the beginning. I don't know what oh, role no. I'm supposed to be playing right. here. It's things are not clear and it requires a sort of level of 
both self-awareness and other awareness that, that sometimes uh, like it just feels impossible to navigate. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was thinking something similar in terms of polygamy or polyamory. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we all know there's a sense that at some point dual relationship can violate. Yes. Right? It, it might not. If you think about I don't know, chit-chatting with your mechanic about how he's doing. That's not necessarily a violating moment, right? You're going to take care of my car, but it's okay that I can hear about how you're doing, maybe a struggle you're having, right? That's an okay space to hold tension. But we all know at some point, right, there's a boundary that can get crossed and where to locate that can be hard. And tiring. And tiring. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Sam, tell us about relationships in the psychotherapy space. Most of our listeners come from more of a spiritual direction supervision space. Yeah. Yeah. How does that go in therapy? It's it's a very strict ethic in the world of psychotherapy. In other words, there's a there's just an essentially an outlaw of dual relationship, like no dual relationships. And the point of that is to protect, this would be my language, but to protect the sacredness of the office you hold in somebody's life. Some of that is therapy's focus is that people are, is to help people consciously regress um, Mm. and be able to engage parts of themselves that they haven't integrated with. So younger selves, parts of themselves that maybe unconsciously are happening in their life in general, but in the therapy office, the intent is I become the healing relationship, the attachment figure that they can regress and hopefully consciously so that we can talk about it and they can begin to integrate with those parts of themselves. So obviously that's a very specific role. I'm going to be something of the idealized caregiver Mm -hmm. at some point if it's going Mm -hmm. well. And so it's honoring for them what it requires to consciously fall apart yeah, and then be made back together. And if they're having to hold duality about me, that gets really hard. We would know that as a parent with a child, I'm not going to ask you to hold the weight of my inner life. I'm just your dad. That's all you have to see me as. I'm not going to ask you to also be my friend or my support system. And maybe in an adult life that changes a bit, mm-hmm. we can be more peers and, but we all know I'm not meant to bring my stuff to my kid. Yeah. And so there's something of that in therapy. I'm protecting that sacred role. I'm letting you fall apart in my presence. And I'm not going to ask you to take care of me in some way. I guess you could say maybe the payment is a part of that care. There's sure. intentionality. And so there's a mutuality to that, but, but the goal is that you get to have this be your healing space. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I find myself feeling so grateful. You have that relationship with your children. Not mm. every parent does. <laughs> I know. That's why people come to you. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. React, regress and get reparented. Yeah. And it's an ideal I'm living up to. So to say that I, I do it. <laughs> sure. But I also, I'm so grateful, Sam, to hear the clarity of that space. Like there is such an honor. We hear often clear as kind, but that there is something of that the ethic and boundary is really clear in that when it comes to multiple relationships. And I have found both as a supervisor and as a director, 
operating in the realm of spirituality that those boundaries can feel really slippery and amorphous sometimes. And I think we all, Maria and I have had this conversation, we've had it with other people as well, that there are different responses to that. Um, There are some places where like in a very small community, for example, like you're going to run into your therapist or your spiritual director in the grocery store potentially. But I just so appreciate that sense of really holding the role as sacred, like the role that you play um, in your clients' lives as a sacred thing. Yeah. I also really appreciate, Sam, that sense of knowing so clearly what you're about. You're going to create this safe space so that somebody might be able to regress and fall apart and get re- re-nurtured into a healthier situation and how important it is that there is a a really holding space that doesn't get violated so that they might do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that word nurturing. Now, as I said to you before we started recording, I'm a neophyte to spiritual direction. And I've wondered as I was preparing for our conversation today, if knowing if you guys hold in spirit direction as God is in the room with us. And so God is the attachment figure that changes some of the weight of that role. Yes. I wonder how you both would speak to that. Or if you, obviously at some point, I imagine you feel that you're offering care clearly, right? Just how you hold that sense of how that translates. I love that question to us, Sam, because I think there is this dance of God is here and God is the attachment. Like God is the one to whom we are addressing ourselves or the relationship with God is is the one that is the primary focus here, not the relationship between director and directee. Mm -hmm. It is the relationship between directee and God. And Mm -hmm. everything that we do is in service in some way or another, or in nurturing or in holding and making a container for that to be safe. And for some people with image of God and all sorts of things that that's not immediately safe. Sometimes I talk about the spiritual director as a transitional grace object. Um, That is to say, we're in a space of handing people over to God, where they can feel from us the care, the attention, the listening, and it's not, it's not supposed to stay with us. Like it is that movement towards God in that place. And that makes, again, the clarity of, of what our role is and what our relationship is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in terms of, I really appreciate that sense that you said, Sam, about God as the attachment figure. I think that's very clear and it's very, I, really true. I've never heard it expressed that way. I know you asked it as a question, but it feels like it fits for me in my experience of direction. And yet there is quite an intimacy that grows between a spiritual director and a directee in that God space that we're occupying together and that we're responding to together. And it's a different kind of danger, I think, having multiple relationships in spiritual direction. It's not because, you know, he's regressing necessarily, but certainly because there is a sacred quality to this relationship. And if it gets too complex with multiple relationships happening, it's hard to feel and respond to God. If we're trying to navigate or if even 
sometimes you know, if a director and a directee are in the same parish, for example, and there's some issue in the parish that's happening. And there's a dance about how much can I say about my feelings about the pastor, because we're all kind of split in this parish about this thing going on. It just gets very, so my policy is to try not to do that. Mm-hmm. really hard try not to do that and again the small town thing sometimes will for me get gets involved there because I do live in a small community but as you both are talking I'm aware there is this thing you're helping me recognize this moment because as much as I'm saying like a therapist plays that attachment figure or a, a place a healing relationship where attachment can happen and nurture can happen. There, there is a moment at the end of every session where I know I'm handing them off to God. Yeah. And that was hard for me at first as a therapist. And it's probably the question I get asked the most by clients is how do you transition session to session? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it really was out of the development of a practice at the beginning of being a therapist where I knew I wasn't enough what began to happen is actually clients came in with stories of what God had done during the week. And it it made me recognize like, I'm only a very small stop, like in this journey of healing that you're in. And so it helped me to trust, like when I'm, when they're leaving, like I'm handing you to God and the attachment will continue there. Right. Mm -hmm. He will hold you during the week, whether they're necessarily aware of that or not. So I I like how you're describing that movement towards, I will help you move towards God. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How could any of us do the work we do without a sense that there's something larger holding this person when we're Mm -hmm. not with them? I mean, Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's well said. I think I want to pause for a moment. I want to come back and ask a question around a really potent word you used at the beginning there, Sam. But I also want to sort of name for people listening right now that sometimes the term multiple or dual relationships is not real familiar as to what we're talking about, especially in the world of spirituality. We exist with, we sort of assume multiple relationships are just okay, or they're there, or whereas like in the therapeutic world, what I'm hearing from you, Sam, is it's real clear what the boundaries are. And to define multiple relationships as you did at the beginning with you maybe going to your car mechanic to get your car fixed, but beginning to talk to them about their life, you're now in a friend role or even potentially if it gets too far, you're in a therapist role and that's two different roles going on. That's multiple relationships there. But also we talked about parishes or or congregations where I'm a spiritual director and I am a person who's part of this congregation. And if my directee is in that congregation also, that's a multiple relationship. I've also talked to people who are spiritual directors who are pastors, like who's even more relationships, depending on who you're boundaried around seeing in spiritual direction. It can be, it can also get into places. And I have very sadly had people come to me to talk about spiritual direction who, for example, their spiritual director um, became their contractor for a building project Mm. and the building project went wrong. (gasps) And and then the loss of this spiritual community, like the loss of this sacred relationship based on what looks like just a practical thing. And there's lots of ways that I think we don't have good imagination um, 
around what could go wrong in the spiritual direction world that sounds like it has a lot more clarity in the therapeutic world. Is that true? Yes, yes, it does. And yet, even as a therapist, I hear similar horror stories of therapists who've taken things obvious anywhere from the extremes of an affair with a client to pastors doing pastoral counseling and then seeing their parishioners at a potluck and the awkward like chit chat of that after things have been opened up and the anywhere from that can feel awkward to it can be violating. And again, as a therapist, there's always, it, it's hard. I will say it's hard to hold time at times, but there's always, cause I, I've seen people in public and have had people I've seen for counseling and different, suddenly a world crashes in that you're not aware. And suddenly yes. they're like, their kid is on the soccer team. Right. Exactly. And you're standing uh, on the sidelines together. Yeah. And so it happens and you have to find a way with it, but there, there's always a desire. And I've talked with clients before and said, Hey, I'm aware this could be awkward. Mm-hmm. I, I always want to default to what feels best for you. So sometimes you can't remove those dual relationships. Like our kids are in the same class at school. <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How best can we walk this out? Um, yes. But mm-hmm. always with that intention of, I want to make sure the sacredness is held well. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Tara, you mentioned a little while ago about imagination. And that for me is key in terms of in this, since it isn't as clear in the spiritual direction world, that idea of what could go wrong here. And I'll give you a really clear example of somebody not from my spiritual direction practice, but just a friend that was seeing a pastor. This was a congregant seeing a pastor for spiritual direction. And, and this directee developed a really strong transference on their pastor slash director and ended up losing their whole spiritual community. At the same time, they lost their spiritual director. We don't want to do that to people. And often it's out of a, the the authority figure will offer this out of a a sense of generosity. Oh, I want to be generous here. But I I love the idea of erring on the side of a larger community for someone. Like why do two roles when the person can have a bigger support system by, by bringing in another care provider? That's a great vision. Like trusting Mm -hmm. in the larger provision of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, like a sense of practiced humility yes. again, to say you need more than me and mm-hmm. I can be this for you and trust that more community will carry them. Yeah. And I love the fact that I mean, me, any kind of exception is a red flag. Like I'm making an exception for this person because they don't have anyone or like I can put any reason in that, but to, to self-examine around the exceptions that I'm making or why I am desiring to make those exceptions. And we desperately need an imagination for the good, but we also need an imagination for what could go wrong because that is in service of the good for someone. Like it, it is in service of the belief in abundance for people. Sammy, you've used it twice now, really potent word, which is violating. Could you unpack that for us? Sometimes it's just awkward and complex. There's a line where it becomes violating. Um, So so obviously, like 
in the category of an affair, right? Yeah. Like, like there, there's such a clarity to therapists having an affair with a client is such a violation of sacredness of that vulnerability. And again, because we sit in a seat of greater power, if I can introduce that, like, yes, uh, absolutely. there's an authority that's carried with mm-hmm. our roles. And so mm-hmm. just being aware of that power that the most powerful person probably has to be the one that manages that or, or serves the other with how are we doing? Is this feeling yes. when that's manipulated or used for personal gain or personal pleasure, right? like an affair mm-hmm. is violating. Yes. Yeah. Harm. That's it. To me, it's the sense of the difference between a boundary crossing, which we sometimes might make a caring exception. I don't do it so much with dual roles, but maybe there's a reason one time to lengthen the session because of what's happening at the end. Yeah. Rarely, but sometimes we make a caring exception. We might cross that time boundary, but it becomes a violation if harm is done. Right. And if so, we make too many exceptions in too many boundaries, then harm is done. If we cross one big one, like the one that you're talking about having an affair with somebody, that's clearly a harmful situation. Yeah. Like what you're saying that there are maybe there's moments for nuance or exception. Clients come in and ask, How are you? Yeah. Right. And (laughs) yeah, obviously I could share for an hour probably. I'm not going to. So I understand you're asking, How well am I? Yeah. And not that they're also not asking how genuinely, how are you? Like, they're, yes, they're, they do want to know. Absolutely. So sometimes I'll obviously we'll share for a minute or two, but I like what you're saying. If that becomes a pattern or if I'm taking up 15 minutes, mm-hmm. like obviously you understand, oh, this is starting to be disrespectful, even harmful. Yeah. And I actually, even though it's, I'm sure it makes all of our skin crawl to think about like the affair as that violation. I think even holding, like stepping back and saying the ways that um, roles can confuse who I'm serving here mm. and create a way where I'm like my, the space that I'm operating in has some promiscuity in it. Like I'm getting some needs met over here and needs met over here. And as a spiritual director, to be clear about that, to be able to process through in supervision and like yeah. what is happening with me, with the directee, with me and God, with the directee and God, we've already got three in the room. We don't need (laughs) more in the room to navigate through. And it's something that I think I see beginning directors out of a good heart. There is absolutely no condemnation for me in this. Like it's out of a good, sure, I'll direct my friend. Uh, Yeah. Okay. But can we imagine, can we think about how many dynamics are now in the room and there's no clarity. Like we've already with God in the room explicitly, we've already got a lot of things to navigate. <laughs> That's well said. Right. Yes. There's so much in the room. Yeah. yeah. I, pointing out something that I would also want to add dual, like the boundary around dual relationships is also a gift to me and that I don't have to hold yes. more. Like I, when I first started as a therapist, I attempted to see a few people in our church community mm-hmm. and quickly realized like, oh, this makes my Sunday, let alone what they have to hold. And it was with people where we checked in on it, right? I checked in with them, but even doing the check-in, like, how is it for you to see me at church? And I just started to realize like, this is my sacred space at church. Mm-hmm. And it, if I'm falling apart, what do I want to have to hold the tension of seeing them after? It helps me also feel very free. 
I don't, yes. have, to, I don't have to carry a lot um, mm. extra. Yeah. 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 So I know. Off. I just, I so appreciate just a clean, clear, open listening space. That is just <laughs> such a gift. And it can get really complex in, mm-hmm. in kind of multiple relationship situations. I was also noticing, Tara, when you mentioned a promiscuity, and it's funny how some of the free associations were around sexual things. It's there really is an eros with God that and that there can be a lot of eros in the room in a mm-hmm. spiritual direction session. So again, that's a tender kind of relationship to be in and one we need to be very careful with as the person with the authority in the room Mm -hmm. so one more reason Mm -hmm. to be grounded and clear Mm. good yeah in the therapy therapeutic realm we would call that aliveness aliveness we use the word eros but i think we're saying the same thing like an aliveness when a client is coming alive yes how that's being experienced Mm. yes Mm. absolutely Mm. yeah i love that oh sam this has been such a rich conversation and i could just keep going forever (laughs) and i'm so grateful this is why i feel like it's so helpful to have these cross-professional conversations to learn from one another to support one another in the vocations that we each are in and to also celebrate the work that each of us do separately and the way that we are this community around people and we don't get to do that often so I just thank you for the work that you do I'm so so grateful you're out there doing it (laughs) thank you and this was a gift of a conversation for me too to get a peek into your world and yes and synergy Mm. of it and obviously crossover and connection in what we do and so thank you for having me yes oh thank you for being here sam what a gift i'm delighted just personally to get to know you a little bit and really delighted for our listeners that they have the benefit of your wisdom so we end most conversations inviting a story of supervision that has been meaningful to you so do you have one that you would like to share with us yeah so I was thinking on that. Two of them came up. One was from last week. So I still do supervision (laughs) because I don't know how else to do this work without staying in constant. Amen. There's just so much in the room, as you said, Tara. And I had a supervisor though, probably the first couple of years into my work, we called her the velvet hammer. (laughs) It was somebody I knew from graduate school. Her name is Lottie. And I remember Lottie just in all of the churn of being new and feeling overwhelmed by all that was happening and how to navigate it. And I remember her saying to me a couple of years in, Sam, you don't know anything for the first five years anyway. So just get comfortable not knowing anything. And the gift of we get to grow, mm-hmm. what I heard it is that we get to grow in this work. That's the, the generous gift of it. Yes. And just even last week, just the continued work of recognizing when my stuff is showing up in the room. Mm-hmm. I had a session with my supervisor last week and just always helpful for where he can notice the leading edge of my own personal work. Like, oh, that's me. I got stuck there because that's where I'm personally stuck. Um, Yeah. And it was helpful then to be able to, then I can go do something with that and get care and keep Mm -hmm. growing. So those are the Oh, thank you. Those are such great stories. And we are so grateful for your time, for who you are. Thank you. Um, and for offering yourself to our listeners. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Maria. It's thanks, been- Sam. 
Thanks for joining us for today's Three Association Conversation. This and every Three Association episode can be found at threeassociation.com, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast feed. We appreciate you being with us. Please feel free to forward this or any Three Association conversation to those who might benefit. Blessings on your life and ministry.